Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, welcome back to the When to Jump podcast. This is Mike Lewis. My voice is actually almost better. So hurrah. And here we are, episode 23. We are going to take you into a conversation with Christina Lauren, and they're actually two separate people. They are Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings. And together, the authors write young adult and adult fiction. Together, they've produced 14 New York Times bestselling novels. That's 14. And they joined me on the podcast today, not talking about their novels, but again, talking about that unsexy journey that comes well before a book gets published or a jump gets made. One of my favorite parts of the conversation, among many of the little tidbits that they share with us on the pragmatic how-tos of making a jump, is the importance of knowing how to, quote, run your own race. And what they mean by that is not looking around wondering, well, this author did it this way, or this author found more success, or this one got published before me. You know, these two folks, Christina and Lauren, they pushed on something for a long time before anyone gave them an opening. And when they did get an opening, it quickly shut. So they had to go back and open that door again. And had they looked around, they would have seen that that wasn't necessarily the norm for quote unquote successful authors. So I think in your own jump, you have to run your own race. And we talk a bit about that. So we're going to send you right in to my conversation with Christina Lauren, the pen name for Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings. Christina, Lauren, Christina and Lauren, welcome to the When to Jump podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for Thank having you. us. This is Lauren. This is Christina. Amazing. Thank you both for joining. And let me start with a question that I guess is on my mind as I think of you and with a pen name that is a combination of your two names. Can you guys separate from that in real life or do you, do you leave your writing world and is it, is it still one person? Um, this, so this is Lauren again. It's actually kind of nice to have a pen name because when we initially started off there there were some people who had sort of strong opinions about what how we got started in publishing and it was nice because it wasn't us in a way if that makes sense we could sort of separate ourselves from any criticism that we got because I'm Lauren she's Christina but neither of us is really Christina Lauren um and so in kind of a funny way when we get like negative reviews we joke we're like well that's not us yeah. like who is that Christina Lauren <laughs> you know <laughs> she's a mess <laughs> That's amazing. And can you guys talk a little bit about what you were doing and, and the kind of life before writing and before you, you guys teamed up on this? Yeah. Um, so this is Christina. Um, I was working um, in a junior high counseling office, just a normal life. I live in um, just outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, and I absolutely loved it because I loved seeing the kids. I loved having time off when my daughter had it off, you know, all of that stuff. And then Lowe um, is a PhD neuroscientist, which is way cooler than what I was doing. I'll let her tell you about that. But <laughs> Yeah, so I had um, been, I was working in industry at a company called Allergan, and I was doing research on ocular disease and pain and cognition, and writing was just a hobby. 
So Christina and I met when we were writing fan fiction and we decided to write a story together and then we decided to write a book together and everything sort of took off from there. When you talk about decide to write a story together, a lot of people, especially in our When to Jump community, they love the idea of kind of writing something um, and, and maybe being an author and, and seeing a book get success. You know, you guys have now two and a half million books in circulation, uh, which is mm-hmm. pretty incredible. But but take us back to that first story. What was that first step? Because a lot of people don't know how to go from having an idea in your mind, thinking you want to write a story, and then teaming up with someone and, and actually making that first story happen. I mean, I think when we first decided to collaborate, it was for fan fiction, because that's how we met. We were just writing online for fun. And I liked her stories a lot. She liked my stories. We had just met in person at San Diego Comic-Con, where I had organized a panel on fan works and fan art. And so after we met in person, we just really liked each other. And we said, let's try and write a one shot together, which in fan fiction is just like a single chapter, you know, kind of short story. So after that story did really, really well, we said, let's write a book. But I think mentally when we said, let's write a book, we thought that that meant it had to be really serious. Our fan fiction had been really sexy, very silly, like... For the most part, it was just a fun hobby. And so when we decided to write a book, we're like, okay, well, we have to be really serious now. So we outlined this like incredibly depressing novel that just like wasn't fun to write at all because it wasn't us. And so I think we realized like just because we're going to take it more seriously doesn't mean that it has to be a serious subject. And so then the first book that we actually wrote together um, was a YA sort of paranormal mythology novel where about you know, these two teens that fall in love and they sort of find each other in this very kind of ancient mythological um, background. And skinny it dipping. was a lot of fun. <laughs> skinny dipping, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was super fun. And so I think we didn't really know what would come of it. We, we wanted to publish it. But um, once you start doing research and publishing, you realize how hard it is to actually sign an agent and how hard it is once you have an agent to sell a manuscript. And then once you have a sold a manuscript, how hard it is to like get people to buy your book. So our expectations were very low. Do you remember, you know, what it was like uh, going to work and what people would say to you, especially, you know, Christina going into a junior high counseling office in, in Utah, I'd imagine you're the only aspiring writer, you know, among that group at the lunch table around the water cooler. (laughs) Um, well, so we worked, we both worked our, our normal, like full-time jobs, um, until we had six books out. And it was only after like our sixth book, and I think it was like our third deal that we were like, okay, this is becoming, you know, they're paying us too much to do this. It's got to be the priority. And that's when we decided. Um, But I remember uh, I like I would write on the weekends and when I came home and that kind of thing. Lo, I remember had one day a week that she sort of like um, set completely aside that she would go, um, and like eat and write and stuff at this restaurant. And she, you know, was able to do that. And, um, it was nice. Like this is also where the, the, um, pen name comes in because I, I'm not Christina Lauren. So for the most part, I kept my writing life and my work life very, very separate. Um, but I kind of liked that cause my daughter was younger at the time and, you know, that kind of thing. And living in Utah, I was writing, you know, sexy romance and stuff. And so it worked for me. Um, but like I said, we, we didn't actually quit our jobs until I think, was it like 2014 though? 2013, December. 2013. Yeah. That's incredible. Was there a benefit? We talk about this a lot. The fact that you had gone so far 
while still holding down a normal job in terms of kind of preparing that, that jump to take place, you know, seeing six books go through where you say, okay, now I'm ready to go and, and really living two lives at once. Did that create any, I don't know, sense of, of reinforcement of, okay, you know, we're not going to jump till really make sure. Cause both of you had families and lives, you know, kind of in the background here. We didn't actually plan to quit our jobs. I don't think that was something we considered until we were halfway through the first year where we were publishing and it just started to become a little bit unmanageable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and I was working 40-plus hours a week um, doing research, and we were writing six books that year, and it was just... Plus traveling. Plus traveling a lot, and it just got to the point, I think, where people in our life were saying, you guys can't keep doing this pace. It's just too much. And um, so, no, I don't think it had ever... It was never like a carrot that was dangling in the future. We always figured we would keep writing and keep working, and we would just balance them until we couldn't do it anymore. And then once we made the decision to leave our jobs and write full-time, it was so exciting. I mean, we decided in July of 2013, so I think at that point we had three or four books out, and um, we stayed at our jobs until the end of that year. But once we knew we were going to do it, it was just like this giddy, you know, like last semester of high yeah. school, right? <laughs> and I, I will say that one thing that like agents, I mean, our agent told us and agents in general, I believe, tell people is just because you sold a book does not mean that you quit your job and become a full-time writer. Publishing is full of hills and valleys and you can be the bestseller one book and not the next. And so you really have to make sure you're in a place of security before you can do that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Is it is this something you imagine when you got into kind of, you know, just writing fan fiction? No way. No. I mean, Christina had only written fan fiction for fun. She hadn't written anything before then. I had written just for fun, kind of as a hobby. Um, and... You know, I think when you're writing fic, you get into the community and that's what it is. It sort of, it embodies the whole thing. That's all it is, is fan fiction and you are so into the community and you don't think past that. And then once we started writing the book, that was the goal. And then the next goal is to get the agent, right? So it's not, we never saw it as a possibility to have um, this become a career. That was never something that we could really imagine. It's so much smaller bites like every piece of it, the next goal is like, once we get an agent, everything will be fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then once we get, yeah. once we sell a book, everything will be fine. And it's you sort of, especially when you're first starting out, you don't have this grand scheme of someday we will be New York Times bestsellers. Like I remember driving my kids to school. This is such a like cheesy memory, but I'm going to share it publicly. Like it, it was that when that song Dynamite was really popular <laughs> And my son, my son loved it. And it was such a celebratory song. And every time it came on the radio, I almost started crying because I could picture like that song playing when I was feeling happy celebrating that like we'd sold a book. Do you know what I mean? Like I wanted it so bad that it almost like brought me to tears how much I wanted it. So, so I think just selling a book was our goal. We didn't even care if anyone ever read it. It was just like, we just wanted to hold it. So it is, it's like goals in little tiny pieces. But it took us nine months um, before we finally um, got our agent. And with every rejection, it got our book got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And I also feel like because it took us so long, we appreciated it so much when it happened. Absolutely. And how did you keep pushing through then as those, you know, the first rejection comes in in nine minutes when it's, you can kind of go a little bit crazy when you're like, well, 
I know this is worth, you know, someone buying. I know this is worth someone reading, even though these people don't think so. How did you push forward for nine months? I, I don't know how people do it by themselves. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I mean, I know there are a lot of authors who write alone out there. Most authors write alone. But I don't know how they do it because I think the, the reason that we kept going and we kept pushing was because we had each other. And so one of us, it just sort of happened that one of us would be stressed and the other one would be fine. And so we would lift the other one up and say, no, no, we got this. It's good. And we would sort of take turns flailing, right? So that neither one of us was freaking out at the same time. And it just, it kept our momentum going. How important do you think, and maybe you can only comment on writing, but do you think that do you think having somebody else is is a is a benefit? Whatever jump you might be taking, you know, whatever whatever that looks like. Do you think doing something not alone helps you get out of the kind of headspace of kind of maybe convincing yourself out of a jump? Oh yeah, I, for sure. I feel like um, us like having two of us is like our superpower or something. There's always you know writing is super isolating. There's always somebody there. There's always somebody to celebrate with. There's always somebody to kind of like commiserate with. There's somebody who understands where you are at every point. Um, if something happens and there's an emergency, the other person is always there to like pick it up. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. I, I cannot imagine doing this. I know people do it all the time, like Lo said, by themselves. But um, Lo is, not only is she my best friend in the world and my like favorite person, but She's the person who's like writing I love the most. And, you know, seriously, we always joke that we're married and have, you know, 20 book babies together. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what are the hard parts? What are the parts that people don't know about uh, the process maybe before you kind of got that first deal and, and even now? I think the hard parts before were just, you know, is anyone else going to believe that this is worth reading? And that there were moments where we we would look at each other like, I like this and you like this. So what are we missing? You know, and not having the answer to make it better. I think when you're first starting out and querying and you get form rejections, it's really hard because you don't know why they rejected it. But I think once we published, the thing that I think has been hardest for us is understanding that each book is a different project. Like, Every one of, you know, both of my children are incredibly different. And that's true for our books too. All of our books are really different. And so our process can't be the same for them. We, we can't necessarily outline them all the same way and draft them all the same way and edit them all the same way. And so having to learn how to be flexible in how we do things and how we collaborate has been, it hasn't been hard, but it's been, that's probably the thing that we've had to be most active in working on. I mean, for those who who don't know or aren't super familiar with fan fiction, what is that community like? How is it different than than others? You know, that might be grouped with it. Um, the the thing I always say about fan fiction is that I didn't know that I had anything to say until fan fiction gave me a voice to say it. I'd never before seen so many women because it was um, mostly women um, at that time in that fandom coming together writing for like the pure joy of writing. And just writing stories and reading each other's stories and critiquing each other and editing each other and making art and graphics and all of those sorts of things, um, just simply for like the sake of loving something. 
um, that we met some of our favorite people in like our entire life there, people that we're still friends with now, like readers that we had then that have sort of followed us throughout our career. We still see people at signings, you know, um, Love in Other Words comes out in April. That's our 20th book together. So we will still see people at that signing that are like, I first read you online. Wow. And that is just like the craziest thing. And fan fiction itself, like the, especially the Twilight fandom, I mean, you get everything. It has nothing to do at some point with the source material. It's people coming together because they loved a certain book or they got were absorbed with it and kind of couldn't get it out of their head. And they write stories, you know, they either continue on after the end of Twilight or they reimagine Edward and Bella as like they're working in a coffee shop together. You know, they put, they take the characters and they put them in different situations. And so it, it sort of lends itself to creativity and it's really fun. Um, and there was some amazing talent in that fandom. I mean, there are so many authors who have come out of it, including, you know, Neil James and Alice Clayton. We've come out of that fandom. Um, Amanda Weaver, like there are just some Tarasumi, some really great voices Mm -hmm. that are, many of them are best-selling authors now. There was a point I remember going into Target and, um, it had like the new release, um, end cap. And there were like five people that we wrote fic with that were all sort of on the bestseller list. And that was amazing to see. I'm so glad that when we came out, we were on such a kind of fast track because all we could really think about was like getting the next thing done. We didn't have time to be nervous or sort of overthink it. And so Mm -hmm. those first books came out so fast. And and then I remember at one point, Lo and I turned around looking at each other like, oh my God, we have 10 books out. How are we doing this? Like what happened? Where did, (laughs) like what even happened? I don't even remember 2014. It is. It's a blur, but it's it's a great blur, and I totally agree that it's like that pace. I think saved us. I think that's the pace that allowed us to have a career at all. Because, you know, now we have friends who have their debut novel coming out, and then we see them going through that second book angst that is so hard. It's you know trying to write that second book and follow up on your debut is very stressful, mm-hmm. and we didn't even have time to think about that. Our we sold Beautiful Bastard in September of two thousand twelve. Our second book was due to our editor December 15th of 2012. And then, you know, we had books due every like six weeks to um, two months from there on. And so we didn't have a minute to stress about it. It was like, well, we just have to do it. I just got a stomachache hearing you say that. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, I have a stomachache. I wasn't even there. Jeez. (laughs) What was a day like in those first, you know, few books where you're, you know, you, you're you're at your day job and trying to get a book done in six weeks. I don't, I don't honestly remember. <laughs> I'm going to be totally honest. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think what would happen is I would be in a meeting, and as soon as I stopped being necessary in that meeting, my mind would wander, and I would start thinking about what I was going to write when I had a second to do it. And by the time I would get to a computer, it would be like you know, I had this giant bucket of water I'd been carrying all day that I had to pour out. Yeah. Um, and I think we were still so high on the excitement of it that that energy really kept us going. And we were, it was so fun and it was exciting and our books were selling and we were doing, you know, special editions at Target. And so there was so much reinforcement all around us for the career that it made it really easy to want to get to the computer and like, you know, do our end of the bargain for these things. Um, but I do know that my my last year at the job suffered in that sense because I think I was so divided. 
you know, that I probably didn't have as much time for my team as I would have wanted to have. And, you know, my attention was divided all the time. So it was good that I left, but, um, I mean, I still managed to do my job, but I think I didn't do it as well as I probably would have had I not been writing books as well. <laughs> but that's almost the time to, no. that's the time, you know, when to, to jump, I guess. It's like, it's like, okay, I've, yeah. I've like seen this through and there's now a fork in the road that like must be taken. So, yeah. And you know, it's funny because at that time we knew that we could afford to leave our jobs. Like we got to a place where we were making enough money that we could support ourselves. But that A is very hard with publishing. But I don't think everybody has to get to that place. I think there are times where you jump before you are sure that you can support yourself, but it's like you have to do it for a number of other reasons. Either it's a matter of quality of life or, um, you know, you're just so passionate about it that you can't not do it. So I felt like it was sort of all of those things for us. Like it was both the financial piece, the passion piece, and that it was just so much more fun than anything we were doing. Um, So... Every, it was sort of like the perfect, you know, trinity of <laughs> of reasons to leave. Yeah. I think, too, a lot of I mean, people I... say, I don't have time. And it's mm-hmm. like, if it's important to you, you will figure it out. It, like, I remember Lo writing thousands of words on her phone. Like, thousands mm-hmm. of words. And even if you write 200 words a day, after a week, those words have added up. And after a month, mm-hmm. they're even more. And you know what I mean? You just have to sit down and do it. And so when people say, I don't have time, I'm like, I get that you don't have time to sit down and give like eight hour chunks. But if you have 30 minutes, if you have 20 minutes, if you have an hour, you know, it really does add up. You would be shocked at how fast it adds up. Yeah. And I think also one of the things we've noticed is people see the the stories or they remember maybe more readily the stories of where it happens really fast mm, and yes. easily for somebody. And I mean, we started writing together in 2010. We didn't sell a book until 2012. So some of that was writing and some of that was querying and some of that was being on submission with editors. But like, I mean, it was two hard years where we had no idea if we were wasting our time. Christina was almost going to have to stop because she wasn't sure that she could, you know, give any more time to this. And so I think when you see those stories of success that feel like they happened overnight, they usually didn't. You know, there's usually the story of people really busting their asses behind the scene to get this dream up and running. Um, For us, it took two years. For some people, it does happen faster. For some people, it takes them a decade before they sell a book. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, you know, if it's something that you really love and if that dream makes you feel a little breathless because you want it so bad, it's worth doing. You get one life, you know? You get one shot at this, so. Well, that is exactly how I feel. And I know you guys are probably busy writing your next book, so I I don't want to keep you, but I... So appreciate just the honest conversation and taking us into kind of the story behind all of the stories that you two have, have written together as Christina Lauren. As we wrap up, is there any tactical insights or things you can take away towards your jump that you would tell anybody, whatever they're doing right now? I think the piece of advice that we always give to people who want to write or do whatever it is that they want to do is run your own race that even once you decide that you want to do it, don't look around you to see how fast other people are getting it done. Um, Because that's going to stress you out and it will stymie you. And it really is just better to make your own plan, um, figure out what your goal is, and then do that and not worry about how other people are getting the same type of goal done. 
Absolutely. Awesome. That is a perfect place to end. But I'm I'm rooting for you guys. I'm a big fan, and I appreciate both of you, uh, Lauren Billings, Christina Hobbs. Thank you for joining the Window Jump podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. That will do it for this episode of the When to Jump podcast. As you know, we love hearing from you. So if you've got a jump story to share, if you've got a how-to soundbite to tell us about, you can record it. Jump at Macmillan.com is the email address to send it to. Record on a QuickTime file or on your phone, voice memo app, whatever you want. Record it, send it to jump at Macmillan.com. As always, head to whentojump.com for the latest and greatest from around the community. We're on social media at whentojump, on Instagram, on Twitter at whentojump, facebook.com forward slash whentojump. We've started an online learning program. We're actually about to kick off our second session. It's called Jump Fundamentals. It's a four-week learning program that covers all the different bases of taking a jump. Four weeks, four phases of what we know as the jump curve uh, with learning, with inspiration, and with connection to over 20 other folks who are going to be taking the program with you. We've had an incredible first session. Shout out to all of our first year, our first session participants, and we can't wait to open up applications very shortly. If you're in Santa Barbara, my hometown, April 5th, I will be at the Santa Barbara Athletic Club. That's Thursday night, starting off around 5.30, doing a book talk and reading where it all started. April 26th, which is the last Thursday in April, I'll be at the Books, Inc. on Chestnut Street in the marina. Anyone in the Bay Area, if you're around, come find me. I'd love to have you there. It'll be a fun kind of closing the loop after four months of really a worldwide tour. Four months, four continents, every nook and cranny, bringing it home, Santa Barbara, April 5th, San Francisco, April 26th. That'll do it for me. Thanks so much for listening this week. My name is Mike Lewis, and I'll catch you next week. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.